This is episode 81 of the 99 Forever podcast. I'm Eric Friesen, and my guests tonight are each making their sixth appearance on the podcast. They're the two biggest Oilers fans in Brazil, Gabriel Cangido and Diego Pontes. Guys, Happy New Year and welcome back to the show. Oh, Eric, thanks a lot. Happy New Year for you as well, to Diego, to all his your families. And for the sixth time, uh, it's always been a pleasure to be here to talk about the Blinders with you guys who have such a great knowledge, you have such a passion for this marvelous team. It's always a pleasure and it will always be. All right, guys, happy new year for you all. Uh, thanks for having me again and Gabriel. So it's always a pleasure to be talking Oilers with you guys. And I I truly appreciate, you know, the the title of biggest Oilers fans in Brazil. <laughs> but but thank you uh, once again and for all the Oilers family all around the world, the, the ones who will listen to this podcast. So I hope you have a great time. So thanks for having us. Oh, of course. And it's always great to talk to you guys. Uh and this is the first podcast we've done together since the Oilers' first-round playoff series against the LA Kings last spring. So I'd just like to start by catching up with you yeah. a bit. Uh, Gabriel, I recently discovered that you have been hosting some live podcasts about the Oilers in Portuguese on Instagram with a couple other fans. And I think it's great to see that the number of Oilers fans in Brazil are just continuing to grow. Uh, tell me, when did you start talking about the Oilers on Instagram live and how did you meet your co-hosts? Oh, it was uh, it was a great idea that uh, a lot of people that I met in my account on Twitter. Then we have like the WhatsApp group to talk about the Oilers in Portuguese, all with Brazilians uh, who like to watch hockey and they are uh, great fans of the Oilers. Uh, and then one of them uh, had the idea to to be on Instagram to talk about it. But like. Uh, it's not me who's running the account. I'm just like helping. I'm just uh, advertising it. And they invited me once to, to talk about Tim, to talk about the, the others as well in Portuguese. And But I don't know if uh, it was just one thing, if they will do it again and again, if they'll be invited again and again, and Diego and other, uh, other people. But it's great. It's always great to see the hockey community and, the, and uh, mainly the Oilers community in brazil getting even bigger and bigger at each time oh that's awesome man and uh, although i can't speak portuguese i have watched a couple of your videos and i've enjoyed the chat one time thanks to google translate so <laughs> i hope uh, i hope more brazilian oilers fans discover your show going forward and uh, i'll tune in whenever i can yeah it's like when i created the twitter account it was uh, mainly to to discover another hockey fans another oilers fans that's how i met you that's how i met diego i met uh, a lot of other ones who just enjoy watching hockey and the oilers are getting like uh, a lot of attention because of Conor mcdave to leon Dreisaitl. it's like a really really good team so it's always good to see the nhl the hockey in general and mostly the oilers Definitely. And Diego, you posted some great photos on Twitter back in November of your son Pedro's eight-month birthday with an <laughs> Oilers-themed cake and decorations. Uh, first off, yeah. uh, how did Pedro enjoy his birthday party? And second, uh, you posted uh, that photo right before the Oilers season turned around. So can we call Pedro the Oilers' new good luck charm? Yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> I can say that. 
you know, our luck has changed for better, you know, since that picture came out. So, <laughs> which is funny, by the way, because my wife came up with this idea. She said, why don't you make a Oilers party team birthday to Pedro? And I said, are you sure about that? Because we always decide together. And she said, that's fine for me. You know, you love the Oilers, so you could you could have a birthday with him. And I loved the idea, so she prepared everything. Wow. Uh, th that's funny, because we still have a few posters on the wall, you know? <laughs> so, since the birthday, I, I have never taken them out, you know? So they're still on my wall there next to the other pictures I have in the main room. <laughs> so uh, every time Pedro sees the picture, he likes to, you know, uh, hit on the wall, he likes to look at the pictures because it's very colorful because of the Oilers jerseys. And oh. one of those pictures, it's it's the orange uniform. So every right. time he sees it, he gets very excited. <laughs> so I, I think it's it's his first it's his first contact, you know, with some very important colors for his future. I would say <laughs> that's awesome, and it's great that you've. Uh, got a, a second generation of Oilers fans in Brazil now and uh, uh, hopefully you keep those pictures up on the wall then because that's like I said when the Oilers started their winning streak so I mean we we can't take it down now but uh, in, uh, in, in in all seriousness though man like uh, I, I hope fatherhood has been treating you well and uh, I hope Pedro gets to experience his uh, first Oilers Stanley Cup very soon. I hope he does, and I, I would love to be part of it. Uh, it's so funny. Uh, every time we 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 have to to go out, you know, he always looks at the the posters, and he he gets excited for some reason. So I, I, I'm confident my kid Pedro is gonna become a, a very diehard Oilers fan. <laughs> he just needs to get his first that, that, Oilers jersey soon. Yes, absolutely. We we made one here. Uh, it's not official, but we did for the party, and and he loved it. You know, so he enjoyed it, including my guests here. They said, "Why are you coming up with an Oilers birthday party?" And I said, "My wife gave me this idea, <laughs> and I love it. You know, so my kid is gonna love it too." Well, I got a Wayne Gretzky jersey for my very first birthday, um, so that, that my dad sort of started me becoming a, a Gretzky fan, which obviously led to me becoming an Oilers fan, so uh, hopefully that, that, that'll that have the same effect on your son. Oh, okay, that that's my best hope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into some hockey talk now, and the Edmonton Oilers couldn't have asked for a better start to 2024. Connor McDavid recorded five primary points, including his 900th career NHL point in a 5-2 win over the Philadelphia Flyers at Rogers Place on Tuesday night. It was his 10th career five-point game, and McDavid also became the fifth fastest player in NHL history to record 900 points, reaching the milestone in only 602 games. Uh, Diego, for McDavid to reach 900 points in nine seasons just shows how dominant he's been since entering the league back in 2015-16, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Mac David is, is a machine, you know. So how can you stop him? So he, he's already in, in his greatness. Uh, we are witnessing greatness. And 
the these stats are so impressive. When I saw it, it got me like it got me very, you know, surprised, impressed, I would say. So he's only behind the the greatest players ever, like Wayne Gretzky, Lemieux, and I think Paul Stetsny, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I can't recall the other one. Mike Bossy. Yes, Mike Bossy. So only the greatest players. Yeah, and he, he he's even above Sidney Crosby, which is the recent superstar. So how can you not be impressed? Uh, we are witnessing and we are so lucky to have him playing for the Oilers. That there's no other word to say. You know, we are lucky, we are blessed, and we hope these all of these stats turn into a Stanley Cup. That that's what he deserves. I'm very impressed. I, oh. I have no other words to say. <laughs> For sure. And Gabriel, McDavid has reached many milestones during his nine-year career with the Oilers. But in your opinion, is this one of his most impressive achievements in the NHL? I guess it's one of the most, uh, the better ones yet. He still has a lot of ground to to cover. He still has a lot of time to play. He's only 26. He'll be 27 in this month, I believe. And next Saturday, a week from today. Saturday, oh. Uh, I just knew it was in January. The day but, before my birth. Oh, so the, the, oh lucky you. <laughs> how lucky you are, really. The two greatest ones in the heaven, <laughs> almost sharing the the birthday. Yeah, but we, share, anyway. we share birthdays or close to it. <laughs> <laughs> and but anyway, like um, it is uh, every every time that you think McDavid has reached his peak, he proves ourselves wrong. He does another thing that that like amazes us. Uh, before the game against the Bucks, I was thinking, oh, maybe he'll get the two points. I believe who he needed to to get 900, and he simply get us five. You know, in a, in a ordinary night, like you. You can never doubt McDavid. You can never think that he'll not reach any milestone. And as Diego said, a lot of just the names that he mentioned that already got to 900 at that age can can see the picture that McDavid is like one in a lifetime, one of the greatest ever players to to play in the NHL, one of the great sports players to to play in the world. To be honest. Oh, for sure. And when you look at the other names on this list, there's some of the greatest players to ever play the game, as Diego said. I mean, of course, Wayne Gretzky was the fastest reaching the 900-point plateau in just 385 games, which is ridiculous. That's I mean, <laughs> not, no one nuts. can t- even touch that. Mario Lemieux did it in 463 games, which is also incredible. Uh, Mike Bossy in 582 and Peter Stastny in 599. All Hall of Famers, all played in the high-flying 1980s. But McDavid is far and away the fastest player this century to reach 900 points. The second fastest player, as we just mentioned before, is Sidney Crosby uh, since 2000. And he needed an additional 75 games to hit 900 points than McDavid did, which means it took Crosby, who is one of the best players of all time, almost a full season more to reach the same milestone. Uh, and just like 
like you said, Diego, like we are witnessing greatness every time he steps on the ice. There's no other way to say it. Connor McDavid is a player for the ages, possibly the most talented player the game has ever seen. Yes. And, you know, while you were talking, you, you were asking Gabriel about some other uh, some other records that were impressive. I was just remembering the the record that he scored 60 goals in a season. This is another impressive uh, stat. It's another impressive record that McDavid broke. I mean, if you go back and look at all of his nine years in the NHL, sorry to cut you off there, Diego. If you go back and look at his entire career, each year has been filled with milestone after milestone, achievement after achievement, uh, many NHL awards. It just... uh, He's had one of the most decorated careers in NHL history already, and he still already. probably isn't even halfway through his career at this point. So um, we're we're so lucky to be able to watch this guy night in and night out play for our favorite team. Yes, yes, no doubt. And and I hope I don't know if this season he's gonna score more than fifty goals, or maybe he's gonna score less. You know, it's on a pace for how many goals this season? 40, well, he got off to a slow start, and I mean, the injury definitely played a part, too. Uh, I believe right now, because he missed the two games, he's on pace for 36 goals as it is. But there's yes. still, I mean, we That's know that he, he definitely elevates his play in the second half of the yeah. season. So it's very likely yes. that he, I have no doubt he'll score 40 again this year. Yes. When he just started to catch up with the league, like he was so behind the points um, (laughs) in the whole league, but because of the injury and his slow start, when he started playing like Conor McDavid, he just started climbing. It's so fast. Like he was like in the seventh, eighth, in the when the others weren't so uh, having a a good streak, and also when he 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 was injured. And right now he is already the third in the in the NHL, and he's like uh, ten points, a little more than with games in hand too. If I'm not you know, mistaken, but he'll he's get played there. fewer. Yeah, Kucherov and McKinnon are ahead, but McDavid has played about five fewer games than both yeah. of them. So give him those games, and he'll. I have no doubt he's going to catch up uh, in the scoring race, even even further he's than he's going anybody. to surpass. He's going to surpass all of yeah, them. And, and, I the others, and the others have like uh, the others always shine in the in the second half of the of the season. So uh, we can we can really bet that he will he will surpass both of them. For yeah, sure. At the moment, Nathan McKinnon is the leader, right? He, he he's got sixty five points. Yeah. He's the leader now. Yeah, I and think so he might Mc- be one ahead of Kucherov. Yeah, which yeah, one ahead of Kucherov. McDavid has six, uh, 53. He's tied with Panarin, with Pasternak, which are great players, such as Panar, uh, such as McKinnon and Kucherov. But Conor McDavid is Conor McDavid. You can, you can always expect. I mean, if you just go by points per game average, uh, Kucherov is at 1.64, McKinnon at 1.63, and McDavid at 1.61. So they're scoring at basically the same pace. It's just that Kucherov and McKinnon have played uh f- six and seven more games respectfully than he has yes and even before and even before that mcdavid wasn't 100 healthy when yeah. he was playing so he, 
uh, it was clear that he wasn't playing at his best, but now we can expect him to 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 win another point points race in the in the NHL. Yes, and since that slow start uh, out of the gate with with the injury, he's really turned it on. I believe he has. I'm just going to double check this. 43 points in his last 22 games. Yes. So you know, <laughs> that's right. Two yeah. points a game for over the past Amazing. quarter of the season. So you know, that's what's allowed him to get back in the scoring race. Yeah, McAdamey has been so great in the past nine seasons with the Oilers that these numbers are normal. You hear these numbers, it's Conor McDavid. <laughs> Any other player would be, oh my God, that's amazing. But it's Conor McDavid, normal. <laughs> exactly. We've just become accustomed yes. to his greatness. Yeah. Uh, and, exactly. And I was thanks going to, to his... say that. Sorry, go ahead, Diego. No, I was going to say that we are so used to to McDavid's standards, it's they, they're so high, you know? Every time we see, like, he, he has 53 points, we would say, oh, that's not good enough. Not for <laughs> McDavid, right? Well, do you so remember last year? Would complain. <laughs> last year, he had 90 points before the All-Star game. Yeah, well, which is so, an absurd. You know, oh, if you have 90 goodness. points in a full season, that's considered elite, like top-of-the-league type scoring. And he was able to do that in half a season, basically. So that's the type of production that we've just become accustomed to with him. Exactly, exactly. His standards are on another level. Yeah, and, and right now, like, he he had, like, a, a really amazing first line. It was, like, Hyman and Ryan Ajit It was really great. But a lot of the years, he didn't have a lot of other partners to, that played so well uh, besides him. And he's gotten the best out of his line mates, though, like, I mean, he turned Patrick Maroon, who yeah. was a, a fourth-line forward on the Anaheim Ducks, into a 27-goal scorer. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's just amazing. does not care who is his line mates. Like, he can always have these amazing stats out of the world. And right yes, now, no, no. with Simon and Nugent Hopkins playing at their best with McDavid, we can only expect the best. For sure. And uh, thanks to his five-point outing to kick off 2024, number 97 is now just 97 points away from reaching 1,000 in his NHL career. So with 47 games remaining, do you think McDavid will hit the 1,000-point mark this season, Gabriel? Well, we can never doubt McDavid. We can never. Like, he would have to, to score more than two points per game. But as I said, that last game he scored five like uh, it was like seemed like a normal game and he just scored five against the ducks but i do believe it's possible as uh as already said the others tend to get real bad real better in the second half of the season so mcdavid can shine in even more with the finally we have like a, a consolidated top six with the first amazing line one of the best of the nhl right now uh, with Zach Hyman and Ryan Eugene Hopkins. Uh, the second line as well, it's been great with Ryan, finally Ryan McLeod and Warren Fogel being great line mates to, uh, to Leon Dreisaitl. But yeah, I do believe he, he can reach 1,000 1, points. It will be hard to be tough, <laughs> even for McDavid standards, but we can never doubt Conor McDavid. Right, and we will talk more about those lines later in the show. But Diego, do you think McDavid will hit a thousand points before the season is over? I will never bet against McDavid, guys. 
I will never bet against him. If he he scored nine points before the All-Star game, like you said, Eric, last season, he can absolutely do that. He can prove to everyone that he's the best. Not that he has to do that. He doesn't have to prove anything anymore, but he will. And I'm pretty sure he will. I'm confident he will, guys. He will. Like I said, there will be one day McDavid will score 192 points. <laughs> that was your prediction from back in 2021. I said, and I will, I will stick to my word, you know, because I believe in him. But uh, I would say, guys, that McDavid will score 1,000 points uh, this season. He will do that. Look, look. Last last game, like Gabriel said, against Anaheim, Fogel had five points. Mike McDavid on the next game said, all right, I'm going to do the same. <laughs> so so I don't want I don't want to warn Fogel, you know, bragging about himself that he scored <laughs> five points. I can do that, too. So he did. That's that's nuts, guys. I love that he's happy for his teammates when they do well, too, though. That's one of the things that makes him a great captain as well. I know, but you're joking. But that's good. It's good to have internal competition, to push each other. That's how how good teams get better. Um, And, I mean, it's definitely going to be difficult, no question about it, even for the best player in the world. But the fact that we even think it's possible for McDavid to put up 97 points in 47 games just shows the offensive dominance that we've come to expect from him. And I want to give credit to uh, my friend Brian Swain, who's been on this podcast five times as well. And uh, he found this stat the other night. Uh, the no- the fewest number of games McDavid has ever needed to get 97 points was 48 from March 6th to November 20th, 2021. So he has scored at this pace before. And I mean, he... he He'd need to slightly improve upon the best 40 game, 47 game stretch of his entire career to do it. But considering that, as we said, he takes his game up a few notches down the stretch, I'll say he hits a thousand points in April. Uh, It's probably going to take a few more big games like we just saw against the Flyers. Now, he's already had two five point games this season and he's had two other four point games. So that's the kind of point production we're going to need him to have against some of the probably weaker teams in the league that come through like if they play San Jose again or they have two games against Chicago this month if you can have some pretty productive nights against those teams then it makes up for the odd game where you only get a point or maybe you don't even get a point at all so I, I think that he definitely has a, a strong shot of doing it and I, and I am predicting he will but it like I said there will have to be probably um, a couple more four and five point games mixed in there to, to make it happen. Yeah, but if there is one guy who is capable of doing that, uh, first of all, a great stat. I I didn't know that he has already been at this pace to get to a thousand. And before I continue, I want to correct myself. I said that McDavid scored five uh, points against the Ducks. It was against the Flyers, which is where um, even it's more. Fogel who had it against the Ducks. So. Yeah, Fogel got uh, against the Ducks. I'm, We've I'm had sorry. so many five-point games I, lately where they're getting. Yeah, the yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> one of the best uh, problems that the, the team can have. Best yeah. confusions I can have lately, but. Just sorry, I changed the name of the teams. Uh, but anyway, um, it's great to see that McDavid has already been at this amazing pace. But it's uh, it's 
it's good to see that he he like his focus is not like to get to those milestones. It's good. I think he he thinks about it every single game, but his goal right now is is just to win games, no matter if he scores five, ten points or zero, and eventually get to get to the bigger prize yeah. that is is the the Stanley Cup that he's been searching for so so long. And we know, despite being the best player in the world, he's very humble, doesn't like to talk about himself. He'd much rather talk about his teammates or how the team is playing. But he also knows that the best way he can help his team is by putting up points. So it's not that he's, he doesn't chase it for the personal accolade. He wants to put up as many points as he can because he wants to win. So they, they kind of go hand in hand. And uh, just knowing that where the Oilers are in, in the standings and how they've had to dig themselves out of a hole to get back in the playoff race. Um, he even said it today in his uh, interview after uh, the morning skate that uh, the Oilers still had a lot of work to do and that this team uh, is headed in the right direction, but they they are far from done um, getting back to where they want to be. So I do expect that he will just continue to take his game up from here. Yeah, for sure. I, and, uh, I, I agree. And for sure, and uh, I said like when the Oilers were weren't in the in this good streak, streak that the best possible time that the Oilers have to find difficulties and solve them and work on it, it was right now. It was in the beginning of the season. Like the team could like improve, the team could get everything uh, at this, this place and get better. Because if something like that happens just before the playoff start or at the end of the season it would be tough to to get around it but it, it's never good to to see the team struggles but the the best the best possible time to do it and to solve everything it was right now in the beginning of the season and uh, I'm also planning to attend the final home game of the season at Rogers Place on April 15th so if McDavid somehow reached the milestone in only 45 games I would get to see his 1,000th point live. So that would be awesome. I'm hoping that he can even uh, get there a little sooner than we're uh, predicting. No, that, that would be, be a great memory for you. Amazing. I would like to save the, the ticket, put it on my wall, the 1,000 Mike David point. <laughs> and then it's it's uh, it's a pretty possible. It's pretty possible to, to get there at, the, at that game. Yeah, well, I mean, I got to see Dreisaitl's 50th goal live last year uh, on April 1st and uh, McDavid's 62nd goal. And I believe Pasternak finished with 61. So the the 62nd goal McDavid scored that I saw was actually the goal that clinched the Rocket Richard trophy. So it's a pretty yeah. special night to see uh, two uh, memorable goals by the Oilers, two best players and the two best players in the world. Oh, with the that resume, now you have to be there. It's not I'm thinking <laughs> about it now. You you gotta be there. Well, I mean, I've yes. seen yes, I've seen two of Drysaddle's three fifty goals live. Um, the one last year, and then in 2019, I saw the first time Drysaddle hit fifty goals. But if you remember, that game had kind of a, a sad ending with uh, McDavid crashing into the the post, and uh, which yes. resulted in a, a devastating. Uh, injury that took him a, a long time to come back from it during the summer. Although he didn't miss any games, but it, it was a, a like a full five six month recovery time with a fully torn MCL. So that it's a bittersweet game for me because uh, I, I got to see a a, a a milestone for you know Drysital, but also uh, 
a devastating injury for McDavid. So it's a it's a bittersweet one for sure. Yeah, but but it, you still collect great memories. You yeah. have most of the most important uh, milestones you you've witnessed. So there will be more coming, and you are a lucky person because yeah. you are witnessing life. And you know so, I'm, I'm keeping I'm keeping my fingers crossed that one day we'll all get to go to an Oilers game together. Uh, I know that it's a it's a bucket list item for you, uh, Gabriel, to get up to Edmonton and see some games. And when you eventually do, I'll make sure that I'm there to go to those games with you. No, oh, yeah, it's like uh, one of my next like long trips that I'm planning. It's for sure Canada. It's a little it's a little tough because uh, for Brazilians, you need like a visa to get in there, and to get a visa, it's really boring and really long time. But I spent most of my 2023 just getting the U.S. visa, which is easier to get the Canadian one. And right now I'm just waiting for some cheap plane ticket and some and great one just. And whenever it happens, for sure, we'll do my best to be there. For sure. And I hope you're able to come up for a homestand and see maybe three or four games in a oh, row. Sure. And- my, my travel schedule will 100% be based on Oilers games. Yeah. And if you're ever able to make it out to Toronto as well and go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. um, it's incredible experience for any hockey fan. I, I totally yeah. recommend it to everyone. And I, I'm sure you'd love to get a picture touching the Stanley Cup as well. No, for sure. For sure. Of course, the main goal is to to go to Edmonton and Rogers Place and watch a game, but uh, to get to the Hockey Hall of Fame and any of, a lot of other Canadian cities they are possible would be amazing, would be great. Yeah, and hope for sure. And please, and please, when, when you go there, please take a picture besides Grant Fur's mask. <laughs> That's sure. mandatory. Uh, <laughs> no, I have my I have my Gretzky uh, jersey. Oh. That's not Gretzky. So from the Everybody Hates Chris TV well, series, and I'm you have to wear to, that for, to the game. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's it's here. It's safe just just for that day. <laughs> Everybody will look at me strange. You think, oh, maybe the number and the the, <laughs> the name is wrong, but <laughs> but I only bought it just to. Well, I mean, it's mem- it, it has a connection to how you became a fan of the team. And yeah, I, I that's think, why. That's why. I yeah, think yeah, that's, that's why. the jersey you should wear when you get a, a, a picture next to the Gretzky statue outside of Rogers yeah, Place, too. I will buy so many yes. things at the Oilers store, everything. <laughs> like, uh, I'll have to carry an empty, empty like, Bring an empty suitcase with you. When I return, it will be a lot of things. I'll spend <laughs> my whole year's salary in there, but it will be worth it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but I want to go back to the five-point performance against the Flyers quickly before we move on. Uh, Diego, which of McDavid's five points do you think was the most spectacular? His assist, Josek Hyman's goal. That, that was nuts, you know. It, it was a backhand assist, right? Yes. It, it wasn't no even luck. looking at him. It wasn't even looking at him. How can you do that? How Hyman read that play uh this that was mind-boggling for me and i i really loved that play it was one of the most beautiful ones and also the goal he 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 undressed all the all the players the philadelphia players and scored the beautiful goal that 
I think it was a huge pass to him. I can't recall. Uh, yeah, it was Dayarnay who then gave it up to Nuge, and then Nuge gave it over to uh, to Connor. Yes, to Connor. Yes, and he he passed through the the man and scored that beautiful goal. So, for me, the most beautiful ones were these two. I really liked the backhand pass he gave to Zach Hyman's goal. Yeah, he just has that this. Was, it's just he has this uncanny ability to find teammates in open lanes without even looking at them. It, it it's like a dry saddle. Dry saddle used to to make these kind of passes sometimes. I think but, dry saddle's even better at making the long range backhand passes for sure. I mean, he's sent Connor on breakaways with a, a stretch pass that was you know sauced right on his tape. But uh, yeah, that was an outstanding play by Connor. And uh, uh, Gabriel, how about yourself? Oh, the 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 goal was amazing. It was a, a beautiful goal. But my answer, there's no other way to 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 be different from Diego. It has to be the assist from the for Zach Hyman's goal. Like, come on, it was like a backhand pad. It was amazing. Uh, I thought like if I was playing NHL in the video game in the PlayStation, I wouldn't see Hyman so perfectly, so his game vision <laughs> is so amazing like, uh, how? how? He can, um, as you, and as you said in the beginning, he had like five primary assists, which is even more amazing than, than usual, and only confirms that you can never doubt what McDavid uh, can do, and every time he steps on the ice, like, you can only expect for the best. Yeah, I, I I'm on the same think <laughs> wavelength as you guys. It's like you look at it, they're all incredible, right? Uh, but when when you break it down, I I don't think you can pick anything other than the backhand pass to to send uh, Hyman in and finishes on the backhand. Like all five plays were nice. Like the one timer to to Drysidle was was a yeah. really nice feed. He passed it th through four different sticks to land perfectly in Leon's spot where he one timed at home. Uh, you think about the nice touch pass to set up Nuge's power play goal late in the second period. Yes. Also, really, you know, just great vision to see him and just be in the right place to make that play happen. Um, the two on two goal against the Flyers, where you know he basically waited. Uh, let Hyman go to the middle of the ice and just made this beautiful lateral move to pull the puck around his defender and turn it into a one-on-one -on -one with the goalie where he just goes high five hole on Carter Hart. Outstanding, but uh, yeah, there, there's nothing else you can go with but the the backhand goal to uh, actually get the 900th point uh, uh, against the the Flyers, which was the, the the second goal of the game. It just a brilliant play by the uh, the world's most uh, imp uh, dominant offensive player. Yes, and the way he scored that 900 points was was beautiful. I, I don't know if he 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 would like to impress the fans. Yet. Uh, I, I don't know, but sometimes I have this feeling he would like to do something beautiful for them. You know, oh, I mean, of course, did. I think, you know, when I've talked to fans from the 1980s, there's there's a, a guy who's been on my podcast several times before, Bruce McCurdy, who watched Wayne Gretzky all through his prime I as a season Bruce. ticket holder. 
uh, for the Oilers. And he said that the Oilers always wanted to put on a show at home and that they would try to, you know, have their, their best offensive performances uh, in front of the home fans. So, uh, yeah, I think they definitely want, I mean, they want to win first and foremost, but uh, yeah, if they can, if they can win in style, that that's even better. And uh, did you guys actually see the video of um, McDavid's post game uh, interview on the ice? That was like so no our eyes like shine when he he says something like that that he always wants to to do it in Edmonton to the Oilers fans like it was it, it was perfect with five primary points he's reaching 900 but that interview was like the the cherry on the cake like it was so great for the Oilers fans to see yeah and and I don't have it the exact was. quote in front of me. But I believe he said, you know, it's a big number hitting 900, uh, hopefully a lot more to go and, and hopefully a lot more in an Oilers uniform. And of course, the fans went yeah, nuts right. after they heard that. So uh, great to hear that Connor. And I mean, we, we've known that Connor always has maintained that he wants to be an Oiler. He loves playing in Edmonton. But uh, just hearing it reinforced, especially after a game like that, it just uh, was the perfect ending to a, a pretty special night for uh, for McDavid. Uh, it yeah, reminded when the, me. Go ahead, Gabriel. No, no, I, I just am going to say pretty quickly that uh, he really, he indeed likes to to play in Edmonton. When the when the Oilers beat the Kings in the shootout, when Derek Ryan, which was the one of amazing choice to be on the shootout, uh, scored the game game winning goal, like his celebration with the the team it was so great. It was so vivid. It was so like he really wants to win. And he's so excited for his teammates to achieve yeah. things too, right? I mean, for Derek Ryan, who's a fourth line player and doesn't often, you know, get many, it doesn't get many headlines. He's not the the guy who's often one of the three stars of the game. For him to come through and score the shootout winner, uh, McDavid was looked happier for him than he would have been for himself if he would have scored that goal. No, for sure, for sure. He just wants the, to reach the the main goal. He just wants to the whole team to win, not only him to have amazing stats like that. He really wants to to win it all. Definitely. All right. And while McDavid is in the running for a sixth Art Ross trophy this season, his line mate Zach Hyman is on pace for a career year himself. Hyman currently leads the team in goals with 22 and has 37 points in 34 games so far this season. Uh, Gabriel, this is Hyman's third season with the Oilers. How good of a player did you think the Oilers were getting when they signed him back in 2021? And did you think he could ever become an elite first-line winger for this team? Uh, first of all, it's so great to see a player not named Connor McDavid or Zach Hyman leading the team in goals. Like, really proves that the Oilers are way more than only McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. But, well, I I don't think even the, the, the most op- optimistic fan could expect so much about Zach Hyman. In his first season with the Oilers, when he arrived, he scored like 27 goals in 76 games in 2021-22. And right now, uh, we're not even at the half, and he has already 22 goals. So he can only, he he will for sure reach his best numbers uh, at his career. And playing alongside McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins at their best as well, like we can we can all expect him to get uh, to the best season ever of his career, and of course uh, have complementing one of the best lines of the whole NHL. 
Definitely. And Diego, has Hyman been even better than you expected with the Oilers? Yes, he, he has. He has. He's, in my opinion, he is already an elite winger. You know, he's an elite first-line winger. It, he complements Connor McDavid really well, and he has already a chemistry with Ryan Nugent Hopkins. For me, that line was money when they when they were formed. And Zach Hyman just decided to score a bunch of goals this season. Yeah, I don't know if he had that in him before. But I've always seen him as a complementary winger, not someone who would like score so many goals. You know, maybe 20, 25, that would be great. Already, well, his career but... high in Toronto was 21. He had 21 twice, and now yes. he's already sitting at 22 goals. So, I mean, it just shows you the, the level that he's taken his game to since coming to Edmonton. Yeah, he took to another level and he's on a pace for 52 goals. I would say that he would score. He would score 55 goals. Uh, I think he can. He's able. He's able, no, but he he's capable of scoring 55 goals this season. If I had to make a bet, if I had to to guess the number of goals, I would say 55 goals which would be a record. And I believe Ryan Nugent Hopkins will score 100 points again because he's on a line that scores a lot of goals. I think it's the best line in hockey nowadays, right? Oh, so without that, a doubt. Yeah. There is 100% of chance that Hyman will score more than 50 goals. And in my opinion, guys... He should be the all-star, you know. No, for sure, for sure. And I want to ask you both more about this in a bit, but um, just to, when you look at it overall, uh, I mean, Hyman has to be considered one of the, the best free agent signings uh, the Oilers have ever had. I mean, since, yes. coming, to, since coming to Edmonton, as, as you said, he scored 27 goals and 54 points in his first season as an Oiler, uh, Gabriel. And then, I mean, even if he would have just stayed at that level, I'm pretty sure the Oilers front office would have been thrilled with the signing. But he followed that up with 36 goals and 83 points last season. And I, I don't think many Oilers fans saw an 80 point season coming from him when they signed that deal three years ago. And uh, this year now he's on pace for 88 points in 81 games because he missed one game with an illness in November. But more impressively, he's on pace for like like you said Diego 52 goals and that would make him the first Oilers winger to score 50 goals in a single season since Yari Curry in 1986-87. So wow. Diego you already called it you said he's going to score 50 goals this year. So Gabriel I'm just going to go to you next. Uh, how many goals do you predict Hyman will finish with uh, this season? Uh, I I will, I will predict that he will reach the uh, the 50 goal line and and as you said, like it was so amazing to to see Zach Hyman uh, play each season better and better than the last one. But to give it a number, uh, Diego said 55, I believe. I'll I'll be more conservative and say I don't know 52, I believe. But he gets he gets to 50. And imagine in the in the beginning of the season, if you said if anyone said, oh, I think Zach Hyman will score 50 goals, I'll say that no, no way, I don't think so. And right now it's 
pretty possible. Like he got these amazing numbers when the Oilers uh, uh, were struggling, like it were in a, in a bad yeah, way. Yeah, he kept scoring. Imagine right, yeah, imagine right now if the, when the Oilers are playing great, with the second half of the season playing some uh, weaker teams, with finally McDavid, a healthy McDavid alongside him, like he can indeed score 50 goals. Even more. Yeah, definitely. And um, when when they signed him, we thought this was going to be a winger that was coming in that would help the team. And I, I think a reasonable expectation was that getting to play top line minutes with McDavid, that he would probably be a 25 goal, maybe 60 point guy. Because I don't know if it was even a, a lock that he was going to be on the power play. Uh, you'd think that when you're paying him that much money that he would get the opportunity. But this was a guy who was coming in, like we said, in the summer of 2021 and uh, just has continued to elevate his game since he got here. And, you know, before the season, I predicted Hyman would score 35 goals on my season preview podcast. Uh, I mean, and even that would be tremendous value for a $5.5 million cap hit. But after scoring 15 goals in the first 22 games this season, including a couple hat tricks, I thought Hyman was a lock for 40. And really, last season, if you remember, he had six goals that were disallowed. So if those six mm-hmm. goals come back, he would have finished with 42 actually uh, last season. But now that we're closing in on the halfway point of this year, and, and he's still on this torrid pace, I really think he's going to score 50 goals this year. I mean, at age 31, he's emerged as one of the team's top goal scorers. He can also score goals in a variety of ways. He can either beat a goalie with a, a backhand up top. He can fire a wrist shot past them. He's great at finding loose pucks in the crease and, and burying those. But he's also on the hottest line in the NHL. He plays on the most lethal power play in NHL history. And he has the luxury of playing alongside the best player in the world for most of the time he's on the ice. And since I have McDavid putting up 90 assists this season, that just further makes me believe that Hyman will score 50 goals because I think he's going to be the guy finishing a lot of those plays. Yeah, he will. Uh, I I still believe he's going to score 55, 55 goals. I'm going to give five more than you guys, uh, <laughs> three more than Gabriel, but I believe he's going to score 55 goals and it's going to be impressive. Which is already is. He he's on a great pace, but uh, 55. It's not out of hand. I think he's. I think it's doable. Well, if you remember opinion. last year, the Oilers had two 50 goal scores, and they were the first teammates to each score 50. Uh, that, those, of course, being McDavid and Drysaddle, the first since Yarmer Yager and Mario Lemieux back in 1995-96. Uh, do you see another Oilers player getting 50 this year? Is, do you think Dreisaitl will get there as well? Yeah. For go ahead, Gabriel. No, I was uh, just going to say that uh, everybody would would bet that McDavid or Dreisaitl would be there, but to see Hyman being the the main choice was so great, and it was great as well that uh, right now Eric says uh, the first time that I hear the word power play. In the whole in the whole podcast, like it's so good to be so powerful on the power on the power play, but yet like the others are playing so great on five on five, and that's such an amazing uh, an amazing improvement from from last season. 
but I don't know. Uh, right now, Dreisaitl has 18 goals, I believe. Right now, yeah, yeah. it's 18 goals. That's I was going to check. Uh, he can get there as well as playing the per play, and mostly because right now the second line of Dreisaitl is playing so great with McLeod and Fogel. Then. And Dreisaitl had a bit of a slow stretch too, but he's picked yeah, it up a lot lately. Sure. I think he has. Does he have six goals in his last seven games? I believe. So you know he's starting to to pick it up uh, uh, the offense as well too. And um, but yeah, there's there's a real chance that Hyman will lead the the team in goals this year. And uh, <laughs> for for any player to lead the Oilers in goals on, on a team that has Connor McDavid and Leon Drysdale, that's a very impressive feat. Yeah, and Drysdale yes. had like so many line linemates, different linemates. Like he he played with Connor Brown, with Evander Kane, with Matthias Janmark, with Zach Hyman as well. And it's like really really recent that he they really like found two of the the best wingers for for Dreisaitl. So right now, as I said, with Conor McDavid, it's like Hyman, the same thing with Dreisaitl. The second half being easier, the other is always being better. Dreisaitl, of course, can get there. But it's so great to see a, a team with Leon Dreisaitl and Conor McDavid, and neither of them being the the leader in goals. Definitely. And just before we move on, McDavid was recently named to the 2024 NHL All-Star Game, where he will serve as a team captain. It will be his seventh NHL All-Star Game, and Dreisaitl will likely get voted in as well. But Gabriel, do you think we'll see Hyman play in his first NHL All-Star Game in his hometown of Toronto this year, too? I think the, all the Oilers nation will be at their best to send Zach Hyman to to the All-Star game. Like it was obvious that Conor McDavid was going to be the the Oilers the Oilers choice to be there and Dreisaitl deserves it so much and even Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Evan Bouchard as well, but the one that deserves the most uh right now in the Oilers uh, is Zach Hyman for sure. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Diego, how about uh, yourself? Do you think Hyman will make his all star his first All Star appearance later this month? I think Oilers Nation will vote for him uh, very hard. Uh, they will try their best to include Hyman on the All Star games, as they did with Stuart Skinner last yeah. season. So I, I believe it, they will do the same. They will make an effort to include Zach Hyman. And he totally deserves it. And if there was another player, like Gabriel said, that should be considered, it should be uh, even Bouchard. And he's having a great season. He's the third best uh, defenseman in the NHL right now. I think he's only behind Makar and Queen Hughes. I don't know, maybe. Uh, yeah, uh, I think so. In points, right? And he's over. Bouchard's so. over a point per game, so that's. Uh, and I believe the the Oilers were the first team this year to have five players with over thirty points, and the yeah. fact that a defenseman was one of them just speaks to the season he's had as well. It, it is impressive. Uh, his line, his pairing with Ekholm has been amazing for us this season, and that's what we needed. Yeah. I think, in my opinion, we're we're just one defenseman away from having a very strong uh, roster to compete for the cup. They already have, but maybe one extra defenseman would help them lots. Yeah. And I going back to the All Star stuff, I think 
I think Zach Hyman should be considered. It would be great for him. It would be great for us as Oilers fans to witness uh, such a big season from him. And he, he should be rewarded with this opportunity to play an all-star game. So I, I think he deserves and he has earned it, you know, uh, considering the the these games that he has played so far. Yeah, I'm I mean, totally he, in his train now. For sure. Yeah. Like he he really should have been named an all star last year. And if it wasn't for the rule that every team had to have a representative, then he would have made it on merit. But this year he's even more deserving of it. And since this might be his only chance to have the all-star experience and the fact that it's in his hometown, I really hope the fans vote him in. So, you know, keep voting oil country. Let's get Hyman there. And, you know, I, I think it would yes. be a career highlight for him to, to be a part of this game. Like McDavid and Dreisaitl will have plenty of chances to go to this, but you know, Hyman is now in his thirties. He's never had the chance to uh, experience the all-star weekend. So I'm really hoping that he gets to do that. Yeah, it would be a great story for him, right? Imagine oh, how, how grateful he would be. Uh, and he would he would be grateful for uh, for the Oilers fans. It would create even a stronger bond. He's know, a fan favorite him. in oil country, for sure. He is. He is. Uh, one of the best free agent signings ever. Uh, yeah. So we should cherish this moment with with him this season, and he should be rewarded with this opportunity. Yeah, I don't think he regrets his decision to come to Edmonton a single day. Not it's, at all. <laughs> it's probably all. been the best career move he ever made. Uh, all right, so while the trio of Connor McDavid, Zach Hyman, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins have been the most productive top line in the NHL this season— Leon Dreisaitl, Warren Fogle, and Ryan McLeod have been among the best second lines in the league as of late, too. And since they were put together, the trio has outscored the opposition 9-3 to at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, Diego, do you think McLeod and Fogle should be Dreisaitl's wingers for the rest of the season? Or will we see different wingers on Dreisaitl's line uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs? I, I would... I, my, my opinion might be unpopular... But I would I would move Fogo to the third line because he has better chemistry with Derek Ryan, so they work really well together. And I would move up Evander Kane to the second line again because Drysaddle needs a finisher. He needs a sniper, and Evander Kane is this person, is this player. I don't know if Evander Kane has been going through an injury. So I've heard reports that he's been nagging an injury, a growing injury, if I'm not mistaken. And maybe that's the reason why he's playing with easier opponents. But my opinion, I think we should bring back McLeod. Or not McLeod, because McLeod works well with Dreisaitl. But we should move down Fogo and maybe give a chance to Holloway on the second line. It's my opinion that that's what I believe it would work best, you know, with with the Oilers. Maybe, maybe we should keep Holloway on the third line, move up Van de King to the second line, and maybe 
McLeod could play right wing? I don't know. It's just a, a guess. I think it would work better because I, I really think that Fogo has some chemistry with Ryan and last playoff they played on the same line. They played really well. They were very strong. And I think the Oilers need a, a very strong third line, you know, to contain the the attack from other teams. Yeah. But I, uh, I really love this line. Uh, and, and Gabriel, do, do you see Fogel and McLeod potentially being long-term wingers for Dreisaitl, or do you think he'll have a new set of wingers uh, in March and April? Uh, well, in in my opinion, like uh, I would keep the line uh, as the old saying says, like if you, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But at a short short term, it's great. Uh, it's really amazing that they are really uh, suppressing all of the spectators uh, being with uh, dry saddle. Uh, and I don't know. I think the uh, Chris Nablash will will keep playing them. Uh, when it's working and the team has other priorities such as finding a second goalie to head into the playoffs and uh, the end of the season as well finding um, another defenseman for the top four but I don't know I I want to believe uh, that they will play they will keep playing great until the end of the season and if the team makes a move I do believe they will they will prioritize the a new goalie and a new defenseman. That, that's but a great right. point by you, too. I mean, uh, just the fact that these two wingers have found success with, with, with Dreisaitl sort of changes the Oilers' plans going into the trade deadline. Yeah, like uh, I see a lot of names for top six wingers that can play with Dreisaitl, such as Jake Guntzel from the Penguins, and even... Yeah, he uh, was rumored to be... Uh, you know, potentially someone the Oilers would be interested in, but yeah, uh, I mean, it'd be it'd be great to add a a former you know thirty goal scorer like that. But uh, I I do agree with you. Like if if the Oilers are getting production from their own internal players, then they can try to maybe solve, like you said, uh, getting a defenseman or goalie, or, or now that Ryan McLeod's moved to the wing, maybe even a third line center because. If they're just going to keep him there where he seems to be having success, then um, you'd probably like to add someone in that spot and move Derek Ryan back down to the fourth line. Because I think for the Oilers to go on a deep run, you probably don't want Ryan playing that high in the lineup. No, for sure. And uh, we got a city team with Jalen uh, Holly, which will uh, return to the Oilers soon. And even Sam Gagner, the Gagner, sorry. That he he was 100 percent. He can't get back into the lineup because they don't want to change a, a winning lineup. Yeah, but Chris Noblash to tonight said that he wants him to practice a little more because the team is so playing so great that he he doesn't want to change anything. Dylan so Holloway's when, healthy too, and you know they sent him yeah. down to Bakersfield right. on a conditioning stint. But you know when he comes back up, where does he fit in the lineup now? So there's going to have to be roster decisions made down the the road, but. The fact that the Oilers are getting healthy and they're still winning—that's a good problem to have. Yeah, I don't think they will—they will move anything from the top six. I think when Jalen Holloway and Sangagner return, they will be put on the on the bottom six, which the team needs a lot. And some names like Adam Earn, for example, or even Connor Brown, uh, or even Matthias Yamark, who are playing 
good in the in the last in the last games can can be replaced by by these these players. But I don't think the, uh, the Oilers, the the coach Noblash will 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 change anything soon when the team when the both of the lines are being yeah. so great. Definitely, well, guys. I have a question for you. Do you think it? Do you think long term, uh, this second line can be, uh, can can stick together, like for the playoffs? Well, I or mean, com- you would need a heavy presence in in Verde Kane. What do you guys think? Well, I'll I'll just say coming into the season, I think many Oilers fans expected Evander Kane and Connor Brown to be playing in the top six mm-hmm. for the majority of the season. But since McLeod and Fogel were promoted to the second line last month, they've both flourished offensively. Uh, McLeod has 11 points in his last 14 games. Fogel has 11 points in his last 13 games, including, as we mentioned, a a five-point performance against the Anaheim Ducks on New Year's Eve. And over the past few weeks, we've started to see this line develop some real chemistry. And with Dreisaitl down the middle, that's a big, fast second line that can produce offense at even strength. And you just look at most of the goals in the NHL getting scored. Most of them are from around the net, and that's where this line is having success. So I wouldn't even yeah. think about changing the lineup as long as the team keeps winning and as long as that line keeps scoring. But I do agree with something you said before, um, Diego. I think that we will see Evander Kane back in the top six at some point this season. He's a big game player. He also brings a physical presence. And if you're going up against Vegas or la in the first round i mean he's a player that you're going to want to have in a, a an important role and i just don't think he's going to be permanently on the third line we have to remember he still has what 14 goals this season so even though he's been kind of hot and cold it's only a matter of time before he breaks out and has a, a two-goal game or a hat trick yeah it all depends on how the how the team will get to the end of the season like um I don't expect them to be the second line to be this great. Like uh, until the end, it would be nice to see. But and what uh, uh, again has to be 100% healthy, of course, to to be back. He is like a great presence in the on the playoffs. But if him and Connor Brown weren't playing like in a top. No, they position. they didn't make the most of their opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, McLeod and Fogel have like McLeod is not used to playing with a player of Drysaitel's caliber. Yeah. And that's yeah. had an impact on him. I think also moving to the wing has given him less defensive responsibilities than he had when he was playing center. So yeah. he's he's a little more free to create offense. He's getting to play with one of the best players in the world. Um, and, and for Fogel, like same thing for him. He's coming up to a, a second line, which is higher in the lineup than he's used to playing. And we've seen in the past that Fogel has the ability uh, to contribute offensively. It's more flashes of it. Like he, he's not a guy who's done it consistently, but you know, there'll be a stretch where he'll get three goals in five games and then he won't score again for 10 games, but just getting to play with dry saddle consistently has been big for both of them. Yeah. Just have to check like the dry saddle stats were so great with both of them as his wingers compared to how Evander Kane and, and Connor Brown. Yeah of them but as i said everything can change right now it's working right now it's great i hope it keeps like that until the end of the season but we never know it's it's really good to have evander kane in the third line ready to 
raised up in the lineup. And I want to shout out to, to the coach, Chris Noblash, that his first first response when the Oilers started kind of losing again, they had like a three-game losing streak. Uh, he didn't put McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's together. true. And he, he found McLeod and Fogel, didn't break the, the first line, which was really great. And now look how great they, they, are, they are playing in the top six. Yeah, I mean, that's just a coach who has a feel for his team and saw an opportunity to elevate two players, and they made the most of their opportunity. Yes, yes. I agree, I agree. And, and Chris Novak has has been has been a, a positive surprise for all the fans who were complaining about the dismissal of Woodcroft. So he has proved he knows how to coach the team. He knows what works best. And he's not afraid of making moves in order to improve the team. Yeah, and I know we we all love Jay Woodcroft too. And I mean, I was disappointed to see him go as well. But you have to just compliment Chris Knobloch on what he's been able to do in this short time. I mean, this is a... A guy who's come yes. in, he's he's worked for this opportunity 18 years of coaching uh, at, at yes. different levels at the junior and minor pro level before getting a chance in the NHL. And, uh, you know, so far his coaching career is off to a great start. We There were some people who were saying they fired the, the coach with the highest points percentage in <clears throat> Oilers history. And now they've replaced him with a guy who even has a higher points percentage. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, yes. it's, it's been a, it's been a terrific turnaround and, uh, he definitely deserves, a you know, while it's the players on the ice who have to go out and do it, he, he deserves his credit for, uh, for what this team's been able to do. And for him to put the team back on, back on track, like when it was like one of the biggest mess of a management, like in, in years, like with the losing streak and him going out and, uh, Jay Woodcraft going out of the team. It was so great. Even with all this tough environment, he really, he really believed in the players. He really put every everything back to yeah. to what all the fans expected. And we can see right now how the Oilers are great with uh, being on the second long winning streak, uh, and they and they can even get to the playoff spot tonight. Yeah, of course. And, and I mean, after a horrendous 2-9-1 start to the season, in a year where the Oilers were considered Stanley Cup contenders, they've now gone 17-6-0 in their last 23 games, giving them the second highest points percentage in the league since November 11th at 739. They also have, as you said, a league-best eight-game winning streak from November to uh, late November into mid-December, and now another six-game winning streak. Uh, Gabriel, we all know McDavid getting healthy and the improved goaltending have made a huge difference for this team over the past two months. But what areas other than McDavid getting back to the level we know he can be at and Stuart Skinner finding his game in the crease again, what other areas do you think have been the biggest reason for the Oilers' turnaround and getting them back in the playoff hunt? Yeah, I just want to start to say that, of course, it's great to have health McDavid playing on our team. But the... The main the main reason that the Oilers are indeed playing great right now is the improvement of Stuart Skinner, and the Oilers still need uh, a second goalie, of course, but uh, because Stuart Skinner is playing like long stretch of games, but the main reason the Oilers are playing great right now is the improvement of him, and of course the the defense as well. When 
when they changed the the coach of Jay Woodcraft. Uh, they also brought uh, Paul Coffey and a lot of fans, including myself, were uh, a lot had a lot of doubts of how Paul Coffey would work, how Paul Coffey like uh, earned that spot. But he has been proving to be like a great presence in the Oilers locker room. Like the defense is playing so great. Even players who had some struggles, like Cody Cici and Vincent Desjardins, are playing good for the team. I still believe that the Oilers can find a replacement for Cody Cici, can uh, find some partner for Darnell Nurse and improve even more. But the defense and the goalie are the main reasons. Of course, as well, the the team playing great on on five five, as well, having the so much production from the offensive lines and being one of the the greatest five on five teams on the on the NHL right now. And I'll say it again, it's great that we are not talking about the power play as much. Last season we talked about oh the artists are the best in power play, power play, power play. Right now we have a good team to play on five on five and and to add the the penalty kill as well. And the penalty kill on the special teams being focused on penalty kill is so great. Like a lot of areas the others improve it but can yet improve even more for sure and diego what do you think where has this team turned it around that is so different from earlier this season when they were struggling penalty kill it's one of <laughs> the biggest reasons penalty kill and of course gabriel said the, the hiring of paul coffee uh mark stewart as well i think he had some effect you know on the Oilers turnaround season and also also the improvement of Stuart Skinner which was extremely important for this team's success we were needing uh, a, a solid goal attending above nine nine hundred percent and we got it you know we've got that this is one of the most important if not the most important uh, change that the Oilers needed and now we are just one win away of tying the same number of wins of the LA Kings can you imagine you know yeah so I mean when, it, when you look at it they've they've really so turned their season around as much quicker than we we even thought uh when they were seven games under 500 uh in mid-November uh, I mean, some people thought that the Oilers weren't going to make the playoffs this year. Did, did you guys at any point think that their playoff hopes were dashed for the year? I, I didn't believe the Oilers would would recover from this season after this disastrous beginning. I, I, I said many times I posted, it's over. So they're not going to make the playoffs, but they surprised me thankfully. They turned the season around, and now I'm a happy fan again. You know, I can. I, <laughs> I can think everyone in, in oil country has been <laughs> a lot happier over the the past two months. And Gabriel, for you, at, at any point did you think that the Oilers have dug themselves too big of a hole to climb back into a playoff spot? Uh, for me, the bottom point was when the team lost to the San Jose Sharks. Jose Sharks. Tied in points with the last. Uh, the that was last the game that cost yeah. Jay Woodcroft his job. Yeah. Yeah, and then I when I saw Jay Woodcroft like getting fired, I said, "Oh, well, he's not a problem." Like, uh, of course, Chris Knobloch is a great coach. It was the best replacement that the others could have, 
but I don't know. Like I kind, I lost the the faith in the magic management. I knew how can you how can you doubt that McDavid, Drysaito, Hyman, Huge can now be can now be this bad? Like to be to have a team like that and be in the almost in the last place of the NHL, something's really wrong with with the team. And I'm I mean injuries definitely hurt. I, yes. Not just McDavid, but let's not forget. Um, Ryan McLeod and Matthias Ekholm both missed training camp yeah. as well. So when you have three key players like McDavid, McLeod, Ekholm, all injured to start the year, plus your goaltending, let's, I mean, we can't sugarcoat it. Jack Campbell had a terrible start to the year. Yeah. All these things kind of culminated in one of the worst starts of the season in Oilers history, but even worse than some of the, the decade of darkness years. But it's you you knew that this team was better than their record and that they were going to come out of it. it the only thing that some fans questioned was, even if they do turn it around, is it too little too late? Yeah, and uh, as I feel like the, the penalty kill improvement was great. It was really necessary. The defense, the, the team playing great on 5-on-5, five five, but... The goalies, the goalies were the, the path that the others could have. Like at one point, like Skinner and Campbell were the two worst goalies in safe percentage and goals allowed. The whole NHL, like if you have one in in a team, it's already pretty bad. You have a lot of problems. Having two of them, yeah. like it's you can like you can score ten goals, but if you suffer eleven, nothing you nothing would change. And I know that the thing about Campbell is tough. Like he, he unfortunately didn't live up to the contract in Edmonton, and it's probably likely that he's played his last game here, which is yeah. it's tough for the guy because he seems like such a likable person, and yeah. um, it's a shame that you know it, it didn't work out. But uh, for Stuart Skinner, we have to remember last season was his rookie year in the NHL. Uh, he hasn't even played 100 games in the league yet. And yes, he did falter in the playoffs a little bit. Maybe that was him getting overworked down the stretch because they couldn't trust Jack Campbell to play. But coming into this year, sometimes players have a sophomore slump. And he had a tough start to the year. The whole team really had a tough start to the year. Now they're coming out of it. He's been a lot better as of late. You look at where he ranks in the league. Like we said, since this winning streak and, and getting back on track started he's he's been one of the top goalies Th that still doesn't mean that the Oilers think their goaltending problems are solved as as we've talked about they they should still be trying to find either a 1b goalie with Skinner as the 1a who can you know kind of spell him off and give him a game or two off every now and then because if you just run him into the ground and play him 55 games this year you don't want to have him burnt out come playoff time again yeah, it was never the, the main goal to have Skinner as the first goalie and playing this this amount of amount of games like uh, and Calvin like, Pickard's been respectful too, respectable yeah, too. Calvin but Pickard's like you, great, I, but, sorry, can I, go would, ahead. All I was gonna say is, would you trust him to start a playoff game if, if Skinner was yeah, hurt? Yeah, of course. Like Calvin Pickard is great right now, but we know that we, he can be the answer long term. He's a Even third goalie. The, That's like he's a he's an organization number three goaltender. Yeah, I would yes. like to see like even Olivia Rodriguez getting some some games like some, he's been great in the minors this year. Like, yes. He had some tough games lately, but like he has been so so great. Uh, it would be great. It would be good to see him getting a shot in the NHL. But we know we don't trust like Picard and Rodriguez, which is I think they do need to give Rodriguez a look this year. I really think they have to at least see what they have in him because you have to remember. This is now his fourth year 
in the AHL, which is the the final year that you can send goaltenders down without clearing waivers. So next yes. year, if, if he doesn't make the team next year, he has to pass through waivers. Mm-hmm. And it would be terrible for the Oilers to have spent all this time developing a prospect goaltender and have him just picked off waivers by, say, the San Jose Sharks or Chicago Blackhawks or anyone who's at the bottom of the league looking for a, a cheap goalie to bring in. So uh, I really hope that they know what they have in him and um, that could also make them or address their offseason plans, I should say, that, you know, they maybe if if they like what they see, then they could potentially run a, a Skinner-Rodrigue tandem or carry a third goalie if they're if they're not comfortable having two young goaltenders next season. But uh, they, they definitely should uh, at least explore the option of, bringing Rodriguez up for a game or two and playing him against a, a weaker opponent where you think that he won't have as daunting of a time making his NHL debut. No, I agree 100%. Yeah. Like, uh, before the Oilers go after a uh, goal in a trade for, for example, Merz Leakins from the Columbus Blue Jackets that uh, received a lot of attention from the media, or even yeah. McKinney Blackwood from the Sharks or Karel Vaymelka uh, from, the, from the Arizona Coyotes, uh, the team should... Uh, let Rodriguez get some chances against uh, a team that is in the bottom of the league. Like uh, they have to, they have to let Rodriguez get a shot. As I said, like he he will require waivers uh, next season. So and it would be uh, kind of not expected to to have Skinner and Rodriguez as a playoff lineup, but. If it works, like it was not expected to have Hyman scoring 50 goals, it was not expected to have McLeod and Fogel playing so great on the top on the top yeah. six. Yeah, I, I still wouldn't want to have Rodriguez playing in a playoff game this year, but I I would like yeah. to see him in a regular season game. Yeah, sure. Later sure. in the season against one of the weaker teams in the league when they when they have an easier opponent come to town. And uh, just to just to give my thought on the areas of improvement, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you guys that the penalty kill has been much improved. Also cutting down the odd man rushes. I don't know if you remember that it seemed like they were giving up three or four or even five two-on-ones or three-on-twos uh, early in the season a game. And they'd be ending up in the back of the Oilers' net every night. They were giving up an odd man rush goal basically every game and the Oilers are the type of team who's used to scoring those goals instead of uh, ending up in their own net. But uh, I mean, it's great to see more players chipping in offensively too. Uh, the Oilers had a couple big wins in Anaheim and uh, San Jose last month where McDavid only had one point in both victories. So it's great to see that there are other players contributing. And uh, as we've also talked about just sticking to the game plan and not immediately putting McDavid and Drysaddle back together when they fall behind. I, I love that Knobloch just doesn't panic and, and, and sticks with what he the, the game plan was going into the night. Uh, the, the defensemen are also making more plays with the puck and not being afraid to make calculated risks. Like sometimes you're going to make a, a play in it you know, it, it gets turned over and comes back. But if you're just always going puck off the glass and out, you're just kind of missing the opportunity to like turn the puck the other way and, and, and get, get going because the Oilers are a dangerous transition team. So if they can get the yes. pucks up to the star forwards quickly, then th- that's going to make them uh, a tougher team to play against. So y- you know that a guy like Evan Bouchard is, is comfortable making those plays, but we're starting to see Darnell Nurse even uh, Vinny Dayarnay, you know, having a little more confidence in themselves to make a play and and try to you know 
get the puck uh, out of their end and into the forward's hands as quick as possible. So those are some big areas. And I, I, I'm glad that you guys both also gave credit to uh, Paul Coffey and uh, Mark Stewart because as we've talked about, some of these defensive areas where they've cleaned up, I think both of those uh, men deserve a lot of credit for uh, getting this team uh, turned around and, and sort of fixing those issues. They do. They do. Paul Coffey has adjusted the team's defense. It has helped lots, you know. Who would have in their books uh, Vini Derhanay playing <laughs> his best hockey of his life, you know? Mo- most of the fans, uh, I- I'm not part of them, but they were ripping on him. I mean, they he's a seventh. Saying, he, at best, he's a number six defenseman. So expectations. Yes. You're not going to expect him to put up a ton of points. Uh, like this year, he has a goal and four sure. assists in 35 games. And, you know, that's kind of the the pace that you'd expect from a guy like that. I'm glad I got to see his first NHL goal live at the Heritage Classic. What a great place to score your first goal. <laughs> you know, you're, you're playing in front of he almost 60,000 fans in a football stadium. And to get to uh, score in that way, I mean, that's a, a moment he'll never forget. So very cool for him to to get his first goal there. But uh, just, you know, this is a guy who has exceeded expectations as a seventh round pick, making it to the league alone, playing one game. He's already exceeded expectations. And now that he's become, uh, you know, a valuable member of this team on the third pairing, like you, you, you can't be uh, any happier for the guy to see what he's done. He's a great guy, a great guy, very humble. Yep. Willing yeah, to drop the gloves smiling. too. Plays tough. Yeah, he likes to drop the gloves and fight. We need some physical presence in the back end, and I think he provides that. Of course, there are many very strong and and I would say reliable defenders in, in the sense of uh, sticking up for their teammates. But Vinny Dernay is a guy that he never disappoints. If he has to go at it, he he does, and that's so that's so nice from him, you know, to to be battling, to be to be playing uh, in order to keep himself in the lineup, and he has been playing well. He has surprised me. I mean, and if I you like look that. at the Oilers overall, they're 13th in the league in goals against right now, so they're just over the you know middle Amazing. of the pack. That's much better than we would have thought they'd be at this point, especially after how they started. Uh, I think Matthias Ekholm getting healthy and, you know, being sort of that defensive cover for Evan Bouchard has helped a lot because we know that Bouchard's main skill is that he's able to create offense. And, you know, that's going to make him a, a big part of this team for years to come. But I think we also have to give credit to Darnell Nurse, although it might be yes. one of his lower point years offensively, he has... This might be his best year defensively in the NHL, what he's done. He's been excellent so far this season. I think he maybe doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. What do you think, Gabriel? No, of course, like, uh, first of all, the line with Ekholm and Bouchard is pretty even better. One of than the best Ekholm. pairings in the NHL. Everyone could expect, like, in the beginning of the season, the defense, the Oilers' defense was like, uh, you know, it wasn't great. Like, how? But right now, the, the Oilers' defense is one of the best. As I said, like right now he's the middle. The and middle that's back. why a guy like Philip Broberg. The, that you know, terrible beginning. It's yeah. so great to see the defense playing great. Darnell Nurse is a guy who really, really deserves some recognition. He's, he has been playing 
great. It's always remembered by his contract. Every mistake that he has done, uh, mostly last season, and the people always remembered about uh, his his big contract. Yeah, they'll talk about how he's overpaid, and I mean that's not really his fault. It's yeah, it was a situation yeah, 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 where he, you know, he had a big year going into the year before his contract and yes, he did get overpaid, but they kicked that problem down the road too many times. And uh, I mean, Evan Bouchard is going to make just as much money uh, no, next I mean, year. I, I so, believe Evan Bouchard was going to make more than Darnell Nurse. So uh, at the end of the season, like he was so great. He's one of the main uh, pieces of the, one of the best sport players of their league, of the league. He's he a 10 million defender. Yeah. He yeah. has improved so much in the defense. It was his weaker side because he, he was like a defender who could pro- uh, produce a lot of points, but and imagine how Darnell Nurse could play with uh, with a player like Chris Tanev from the Flames well, alongside him. Like he would improve even way more than what he has been playing with Cody Cici, which is having a good season. The Oilers can improve, of course, in the top four defensive side, but we got we gotta say that mostly like Pokoffy again. We gotta shout out to him that. And Knoblash and everything on the Oilers. Two very different defensemen, Paul Coffey and Chris yeah. Knoblash. I mean, Coffey's one of the greatest offensive defensemen in the history of yeah. the game. He, I think he's the one who's helping them transition the puck more and make more, uh, you know, plays. But Mark Stewart definitely he's penalty killed against uh, some of these guys who uh, are still in the league now and is probably passing along some guidance of guys tendencies and you know what you can do to you know take away the top attackers chances so uh seeing both of these guys have a more uh impactful role in in, in the coaching decisions that's uh, it's been great for both of them and uh, i don't know if paul coffee ever envisioned his first nhl coaching job coming at age 62 but uh you know i mean his former d partner charlie huddy uh, had a 20 plus year career coaching in the NHL after he retired as a player. So he'll, he'll coffee will be the, the better player of the two, no doubt. But, uh, uh, Charlie Huddy, uh, I mean, long career as a coach. So I'm sure he's proud of his buddy, Paul coffee for what he's been able to do behind the bench, uh, this season. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, I wanted to quickly ask you now, uh, so the Oilers are just two points back of the final wildcard spot in the Western conference. I want to know how high do you think this team can go? Can they still grab a top three position in the Pacific division? Or do you think it's more likely that they'll finish in a wildcard spot, Diego? I think they finish at second place in the Pacific. That, that That's my opinion. My, my guess, because the way things are going for Vegas now at the moment, and I, I don't think uh, LA will keep this pace for long term, you know, they have a great team, but I, I think Vegas is slumping at this moment and it's a great opportunity to catch up, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, they really I, have struggled after their, I mean, I think they were 11, 0 and 1 to start the year, something like that. And they've been 10 and 13 in their last 23 games. Yes. Yes. And the, the Oilers are just three, three wins. You know, going to be tied with Vegas in, in number of wins. And they have four games in hand. You know, Vega, Vegas has 39 games played already. So it would give the Oilers, if they win the, these games in hand, like eight points, 48 points. Oh, 47 yeah. points, you know. They would be just two points away from Vegas. I think 
they, they can still win the Pacific. It will depend on how the Canucks will 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 keep playing. I think they're such a lucky team. They're very lucky, but they're also uh, very solid. They've been solid. They have great yeah. goal attending, uh, a, a very solid defense. Elias Peterson is playing lights out this year too. So, uh, but but I think it's it's possible to catch you know and take the lead of the Pacific. But my bet is that they're going to finish second in the Pacific, and that's going to be awesome. At this moment, the Oilers have the best record. Uh, they hold the wild card spot in terms of points percentage. Right. Yes, and, and uh, this team is on a mission. Mac David is on a mission. Uh, I don't think they want to look behind and and get another loss. Uh, I think they're gonna go on a long streak, maybe 10, 10 wins straight. It would give us a a, a great confidence, you know, ahead of the season if they they manage to win 10 straight. So the other teams would be very afraid of the Oilers, but I think they finish second in the Pacific. Yeah. I mean, that's a great prediction. Uh, and uh, uh, Gabriel, where do you see the Oilers finishing in the standings this season? Well, I do see the Oilers uh, not finishing the wild card. They, they can, of course, finish in the top three of the of the Pacific. And as the Oilers are really got back into track, having a great uh, the line is well defined and with the the first line playing so great and entering uh, second half of the season, which is way easier than the first one. The Oilers. Can indeed fight for the for the top stop for the top spot. It's like it's hard. It's way hard stuff, but but the others in, can can go can go there. And as Diego said, like Vegas is in a downfall right now. The others have have to have to have to get there at this moment. But and I don't know. The team can a team who wants to be champion cannot like be choosing opponents stuff like that. But if we, we can avoid playing like the Delhi Kings for in the first round for the third time in a row, I know that the Oilers had a, a great record of winning. I think I'd rather that. play them Both actually, them. probably out of anyone in the in the West that's currently in a playoff spot, though. Yeah, because like they know uh, they can beat them. Last game uh, against them that the Oilers won in the shootout it was so stressful. It was like a regular <laughs> season game. Imagine playing seven games again with a team that has who played with uh, have the two two previous uh, uh, playoff losses to the Oilers who will get to the ice with a, will a more more will to win than than the usual. But uh, I don't know the, the Vegas will of course not keep doing as bad as they are right now. The Vancouver Canucks are playing great, as we saw in the first game of the season. We, we already could uh, could see that they 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 were going to have a great season. But I don't know, the others can can go to the playoffs without being a wild card spot and yes in the top three of the of the Pacific. I want to say that you will finish first, my <laughs> But um, but if I ask me, the others will win every game and finish first. But I don't know. I think they. I will agree with Diego with that. They will finish second, and and 
and for sure being but being in the playoffs. But everything has to has to rely on a on a great goalie situation mostly. Like we 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 have to to find like a second goalie to get some weight off of Skinner's shoulders head right. to head into the playoffs. And I don't know if you guys saw a tweet that I put out uh, last week, but there's a, a site called uh, Stat Guru, Power Rankings Guru, and they sort of rank the schedules that each team has remaining to see the quality of opponent or, or strength of schedule. And uh, the Oilers had the fourth most difficult schedule in the NHL through the first 30-ish games of the season and now have the third easiest schedule from here on out. So they were able to make it through one of the toughest schedules of any team with still a 19-15-1 and one record. And actually, despite their terrible start to the year, the Oilers are actually in a better spot right now than they were in either of the previous two seasons. And the Oilers finished with 49 and 50 wins, respectively, in both of those years, which shows you like how strong of a second-half team they've been. Now, this year, like we said, two points out of a wild-card spot as of right now with 35 games played. You look at the Canucks... 51 points leading the division, Vegas 49, LA 46. Like, yeah, Edmonton is roughly, you know, 10 points behind those teams that are challenging for the division title. But with over half a season to go and a lighter schedule coming up, I think it's definitely possible that they work their way back into the top three. And while I never thought that the Oilers would miss the playoffs this year, I did think that it would be tough for them to grab one of those top three spots back in mid-November. And, and ever since then, now it's started to look more and more like they might be able to chase down at least one of these teams. I think that if I had to bet on it right now, I would say Vegas still overtakes uh, Vancouver for the top spot. Vancouver drops down to second and Edmonton passes uh, LA and grabs the third spot, which would make a, a first round matchup against the Canucks and Oilers. And um, other than the Calgary Flames, the Canucks are the Oilers biggest rival. So that would be an intense series. And it'd be the first yes. time these two teams, have, <laughs> it'd, be, yeah, it'd be the first time these two teams have played in the playoffs since 1992. So, you know, over 30 years, which is very similar to when we had the first battle of Alberta in the playoffs two years ago, for the, which was the first one since 1991. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a dogfight no matter who they play. The Western conference is stronger this year than it's been in past years. You look at the teams that are currently in a playoff spot, Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas, Vancouver, Vegas, uh, LA, you're not going to get an easy opponent in the first round, regardless of who you play. So even if the Oilers do end up in a wild card spot, it's not the end of the world because I'm not convinced that one team is that much better than the other. Like, Obviously, I mean, you you might want to avoid Winnipeg, even though they did beat them earlier this year, because Connor Hellebuck is playing out of his mind in net. Uh, but Colorado's an elite team. Dallas is an elite team. Uh, I really still think that their best matchup would be Ve- uh, would be sorry, uh, L.A. Um, but if the Oilers do get into a, a top three spot, I think L.A.'s the team they're knocking out. So I have a feeling right now, it's not like a, a hard prediction, but I think that Vancouver is the team that they might end up playing uh, if they do secure that uh, third spot in the, the West. It would be like a war, you know? Uh, <laughs> well, they got to get Canadian retribution markets. too, right? I mean, they, they lost yes. three games to the Canucks <laughs> already this season. You know, one in the season, uh, I would love to see that. Devastating loss. 
but I would love to see a revenge in the oh. best way possible. Oh, sometimes Eric Gabriel, I can't stand Canucks fans. I'm sorry, guys. I think there there might be plenty of great Canuck Canuck fans around, but most of them that I know on Twitter, they are insufferable. I can't stand them. So it would be great to see them losing it's for a, us. It's <laughs> a know? live. I've I've seen Oilers Canucks games live, and when you've when you go to Edmonton, uh, the Canucks fans are are always there, either you know, <laughs> at the arena or around town <laughs> earlier that day, and uh, it's you can tell that there's a there's a fierce rivalry there. It's not two teams that like each other very much. So, uh, yeah, it's, it would be great to. Great to beat them in the playoffs. And they play one more time later this season. So I think getting a win over them in the regular season would also give them a little bit of confidence going into the playoffs just to know that or remember again that they can beat this team. So that's uh, something I'm hoping for. Uh, and just to wrap up tonight, uh, we're, we're about to close out the show. The Oilers are hosting the Ottawa Senators on Hockey Night in Canada in less than an hour now and will be looking to extend their winning streak to seven games. It would be their second seven-game winning streak of the season, which I think very few people would have predicted uh, back in early November that we would be saying that. Um, and, and a victory, as also uh, I think you mentioned earlier, Dago, would move them in to a tie for a wild-card spot, but the Oilers also have the tiebreaker. So I just want to get a quick score prediction from you guys tonight. Uh, Gabriel, you can go first. Uh, I will say uh, the Oilers will win. The Senators finally, finally get into the 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 wild card in the playoff spot and the score will be uh, the other six and the senators will score two and uh, i can predict that there will be a first goal but for cody cc tonight not uh, everybody will, uh, is expecting a corner brown first goal which will, would be great but uh, uh i will predict a little more that cody cc will score the i would love team. that gabriel That'd be yeah, great. Like, I, I want to see Kinner Brown uh, score first so badly. Like I think when he scores the first one, he'll get as a Sam Skinner, like <laughs> a lot of weight off his shoulder. But... That'll get the ball rolling for sure. He needs to get that. But yeah, like like you said about yeah. Cody Cece, he hasn't scored since game two of last regular season. Yeah. So it's been since October 2022. I'm so I'm very hopeful that uh he gets a goal. And let's not forget, he actually scored the series winning goal against the LA Kings in the first round back in 2022. Amazing. And then the yeah. McNeely scored an amazing goal to, to wrap up the things to new. But uh, it would be so great to see him getting some confidence. Getting, and as, as we said a lot about Conor Brown, if he scores a goal, it would be great as well for him. And he's in a good streak coming from the Oilers. Uh, uh, Oilers uh, skills that happen in some pro Yeah, he ripped days. a 102.9 mile an hour slap shot. Yeah, everybody expected a Elon Bouchard easy win, but he he got a, a amazing shot and and even and he even won the ball competition. So he's in a good streak. <laughs> yeah. He can, I believe, he can score a, a nice goal tonight. Yeah, we got to give a shout out to his dog Hugo, who won uh, the. I think what was it called, the Rough Rough Relay? Rough, rough relay, relay like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you so see? Uh, I don't believe he'll he'll get there. Tonight. Did you see I Connor's think, dog yeah. Lenny? He uh, he had a tough time. I saw. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he just pissed out. He said, "Okay, I'm not gonna do this again." <laughs> yeah, I already won once. I will not. I will have. Uh, I will let someone. <laughs> 
But that yeah. does show, you know, the fastest player in the world also has the fastest dog on the team. So, I mean, they, they, he had the title last year. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, so I mean. Funny. And sorry, uh, just going, uh, Gabriel, your, uh, your, or Diego, your prediction for tonight? Uh, I, I think I the Oilers win five one, and uh, I agree with my friend Gabriel. I, I, I'm hopeful for a Cody CC go because he, it would be awesome to see him scoring against his former team, and also he has a hard shot. Who would ever imagine that Cody Cease of all people won the hardest shot? So would never imagine that. I, I, I would love to see those kind of shots against Corpusalo today. And maybe one of them might go in. So it would be very cool for him. And why not? Connor Brown scores the goal tonight too. That's yeah, gonna. Oilers scored a couple power play awesome goals last game too, and you know they're going up against a Senators team that has the worst power play in the league. So good opportunity for the Oilers to get a couple more power play goals. I'll say uh, McDavid yes. gets a four point game tonight too. I think they're going to win four seven point. to two. Yeah, we, you know we talked about he's going to need a few more of these big games if he's going to get to a thousand this year. So why not get one against the lowly Senators and uh, you know pad a big win to get to. Uh, their seventh straight win before they head on the road to Chicago on Tuesday night. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I do believe they will have like a, a lights out game uh, in the next one against the Blackhawks. That the Blackhawks are now without uh, Connor Bedard. Yeah, I mean, they... Lino, that's uh, with all the respect to the Blackhawks, but it, it it's a pretty pretty weak team who they are going. To They're already a weak like, team, even if Bedard shine as well, and and of course there he can like put some some points. Yeah. To 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 his path to the they actually play the Blackhawks twice this month and a team like the Blue Jackets later this month too. So there there are going to be some opportunities for them to uh, you know pad the stats a little bit. Exactly, exactly. When you look at the Chicago Blackhawks roster, you see that that's not an NHL <laughs> roster. No, come on, that's that's really bad. So yeah, they, they might win the Celebrini drafts again. <laughs> well, that's two fundamental pieces that they would really build for the future if they have Bedard and uh, Celebrini in. So uh, yeah. we'll we'll see what happens. The Sharks might be uh, still the favorite to to grab him, but. Um, guys, I just want to say thank you again so much for being on the show tonight. It's the first time we've recorded a podcast in over eight months, so it was great to chat with you guys. Uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? Um, for me, I have the, the Edmonton Oilers Brazil account on Twitter, which is EDM Oilers BR. You can find there, and I'm always posting a lot of stuff about the Oilers. Of course, in Portuguese because it's it's headed to the the Oilers fans in Brazil. But you do retweet uh, English tweets though as well. Yeah, I, I do a lot, a lot. Uh, I try to translate a lot of them as well, and I try to e explain like, oh, um, what is a, a point? A point is a goal and a assist, stuff like that. What's a penalty kill? I'm always explaining like that because a lot of uh, Brazilian hockey fans are really getting into. They're new sport. to the game, so they're yeah. they're still learning. But you know, I I think that it's awesome that they're coming in at a time when. The Oilers have such a, a talented team with the best player in the world. And I mean, if you're going to introduce 
a new group of people to the sport of hockey, having Connor McDavid to be yeah. the one to watch is, is a great way to get them into the game. Yeah, and right now that the Oilers are really improving and are in the, in the, in the great moment of the season, uh, a lot of people uh, are getting to the, to the sport and to the, to the team. But you can always interact in English uh, that I will happily, happily answer, happily interact with a fan anywhere around the world. For sure. And Diego, where can they find you? Guys, you can find me on Twitter by the name uh, only Diego, but you can type there and at Diego PR Barros. If you type that, you will find me. Okay, and I mostly interact in English with my followers, but I also speak Portuguese. And if you want to interact mm -hmm. with me in Portuguese, that would be very welcoming. So I would love to do that with you. And please, guys, uh, if you if you have any questions related to the Oilers or the hockey in general, I would love to be part of it. So if you want to interact with me, please give me a follow there and give a follow. I know that you guys are not asking for this, but give a follow to Gabriel and also you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yeah. And can, you, you can always get to us like uh, we are like a Brazilian fan, so we don't have the opportunity to always be talking about hockey. So every time exactly. that everyone uh, everyone uh, interacts with us, it's always great, especially if they are like uh, watching the game for, for some time, if they are in contact. And that's why I have to thank Eric a lot for having for giving us the opportunity to talk oh, so my much pleasure. about the Oilers. Exactly. So it's it's exactly. so great to, to talk with um, other people who really watch the game, who are passionate fans such as you too. So I, I cannot appreciate even more to talk with you always. Yes. Oh, I and appreciate I like the kind words, guys. Up. Thank you. I would like to add up that you expanded our our networking let's say that mm -hmm. you know uh we we've had the chance to meet such nice people Oilers fans all around the world and your platform your podcast has allowed us to to make more friends online and to talk Oilers with some other people all around the world and you know and, and in the middle of this uh network that that we have here so we appreciate a lot your your podcast and the opportunity you give for fans uh around the world to talk about uh, a sport that's such a, a unique sport and so important for most of you guys who are canadians and americans but from for some other people around the world it's always a pleasure to be involved and have this chance to talk. So we appreciate yeah. that. Oh, for sure. For, for the bottom of my heart, like, uh, I always say just quickly that uh, when I created the Irish Brazil account on Twitter almost four years, more than four years ago, it was just to to meet people like you two guys and everybody who interacts, who, who, who always follows me and there follow Diego and are passionate about the artists, but are mostly to find guys like you and talk about the artists and this amazing and unique sport that is the ice hockey. 
Well, I mean, I just want to thank both of you for, like you said, all the, the nice things you had to say. And I mean, it, it means a lot that, that you say that. Uh, but I want you to know that I appreciate uh, appreciate you guys just as much. Uh, uh, this is your sixth time on the podcast. That's tied for the most out of any guest mm-hmm. I've had with uh, my uh, my podcast partner here at the Heavy Hockey Network, Michael A. Bear, who's also uh, been on six times. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, that just shows, you know, how much I enjoy having you guys on what two of my favorite people to talk Oilers hockey with. And uh, we will definitely have many more episodes together in the future. Hopefully at least one more this season. Um, Even uh, it'd be great to do another one in the playoffs once they clinch that playoff spot again. So thank you guys both again for everything and uh, being a big part of the show and uh, yeah, everything you had to say. It means a lot. That's always, thank you. It's always been a pleasure for the first to do this. Is the sixth one, some amazing milestone as well. And too many Mars to come. Yeah. Just like McDavid, you guys are setting milestones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to improve even more and more and more each time. All right. Well, let's we get out of here today. so we ever we can all go watch the Oilers win tonight. Let's go, Oilers. <laughs> we hope so. And let's go wider than and let's get to that playoff spot and even and get even better and better in the in the in the current season sounds great all right thanks again guys have a good night you too thank you so for gabriel cangido and diego pontis i'm eric friesen this has been the 99 forever podcast we're out